you greater than any battle. And Lord, I thank you that no weapon formed against him is going to prosper. In fact, today, Lord, you're going to give him new strength, a new attitude to fly high above that storm, over that mountain. Lord, that we can speak to that mountain. It's a war on war. 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 You're gonna lose. You have to lose. You have to learn how to die. You have to lose. You have to lose. You have to learn how to die if you want to be alive. Okay? This has been a reading from the prophet Jeff Tweedy. Where have I heard that before? Uh, you heard it in, in the year, two, well, you didn't hear it in the war year 2001, but these words were released to the public in the year 2001, as it so happens, the same year that the war in Afghanistan started. And you know what, Paul? I think that Sleepy Joe might just be a Wilco fan. <laughs> Secret Wilco head. He loves um, dad, I wouldn't, dad I wouldn't be surprised to see that, given the types of uh, the super chill vibes that we encountered at the Red Rocks Wilco show. Mm-hmm. I could see him fitting in perfectly there. Oh, He's yeah. a little, it's a little outside of his age range, um, but, or, or below his age range, age range, but it's pretty much, it's a, it's a timeless band. It's da- it becomes dad rock. You become a dad as soon as you start w- listening to Wilco, essentially. <laughs> yeah. You know, whether you're, whether you're 14 or whether you're 45. Yeah, really. And uh, a good, a chill dad. Right. What's up? Welcome to Magic Camp. Um, it's Ben and Paul. Welcome. Hey, what's up? How's it going? It's been a minute. How have you been doing? Me? Oh, I've been doing fine. You know, I'm back. I'm back at uh, school, so everything's different. My energy is is uh, I'm it's a complete paradigm shift for me. I've gone from the summer of freedom, summer of Paul, to being now being the uh, the arbiter of of uh, restriction. So that puts that puts. Restrictions on me and my mind and my spirit having to uh, be the guy who tells kids be the bad cop to, to be everybody. the bad cop. I got to be the bad cop. Sometimes you got to be that be the bad guy. People need it. You know, Mr. Mr. That's what that is exactly <laughs> what they say. I had a, a kid say I w- I'm OK with Mr. When they say teacher, I'm like, yo, this is in kindergarten. They don't say, you can't yo, say teach. Te- yo, teach. I actually did hear somebody say, yo, teach to somebody. They didn't say it to me, though, so that means I have a long way to go. Hmm. I'm not there yet. You could go by Doc. Yo, Doc. Hey, Doc. Mm. Are you telling me that? No, in my experience, any uh, expression or, or uh, encouragement to call a high school teacher by their credentials, to acknowledge a high school teacher's credentials, it's going to backfire. It's going to blow up in your face. You know, yeah. if you have a PhD and you're teaching high school, cool, by all means, but don't tell the students. Yeah. They will, sure. they will make you pay for it. I have to say that sounds fair to me. Yeah, totally. Me too. To be clear, you don't have a PhD. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not saying I have a PhD. I don't, I don't have a PhD. You're the one who said, to call, ask him to call me doc. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. Um, yeah. So we're back at magic camp. Um, uh, trigger warning. We're talking about ridiculous Christian shit. Again. Yeah, seriously. Ma- major trigger warning here. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, if, that, if that's your thing, hang on for the ride. Come along with us. If not, you know, buckle up. Yeah. Or just hop out the car. Yep. I'm going to end the car analogy now and say um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, we actually, we do have some good, some more good art ideas that we will be getting to, but I was kind of, kind of drawing a blank. And then I saw something um, for like a week. I was trying not to look at Instagram. I was browsing the top, um, top charts. And actually I'm going to pull it up as fast quickly as I can the Apple podcast charts to just see what's going on out there. You know, what, what do people like? What and people, what are people listening to besides, besides our, our podcast? Yeah, absolutely. And not surprisingly up at the top, you've got Dr. Death and then you've got crime junkie. So true crime, obviously always very popular. And then you've got the daily with New York times and then uh, skipping down a few, you've always got uh, Ben Shapiro floating around five, six, or seven, or something like that. Um, truly a uh, horrible omen for this country <laughs> that so many people enjoy, actually enjoy hearing his chipmunk bitch-ass voice in their ears. Uh, but more There's importantly, his noxious beliefs and views. And... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyways, number 10, maybe you've seen it floating out there, is The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, produced by Christianity Today. And I was honestly, like, really stunned to see this being so popular. I mean, at least among, like, Apple podcast listeners, which, to be fair, is a, you know, selected slice of the country. Right. Um, I mean, I've seen, it's funny when you see, like, uh, number 25, The Bible in a Year, is like that is number 25 on the podcast charts so it's just a podcast that you're you listen to the bible i guess it looks maybe there's some more catholic oriented um you know i wouldn't have given this podcast a try if it didn't have the christianity today stamp of approval the editorial sort of uh oversight because frankly i'm i'm concerned with you know, are they going to slander my boy Mark? <laughs> and I knew that Christianity Today would would they would take it easy on my man. Yeah, liberal rag. <laughs> Christianity Today. Yeah, totally. Before I forget, though, I got to give a, a shout out to our boy Trevor Welch, um, yes, who is once again responsible for the music that brings us in with such such energy that we cannot match ourselves. But yeah. Um, I happen to hear some of our season one episodes, and uh, we've really upped, upped our music level a lot. Hey, don't don't sell yourself short, man. That was for those of you who who were looking for more of that. Like, where can I get more of this? this these great sleepy guitar riffs. <laughs> Look no further than Ben's. Come over uh, to my basement. Come over to Ben's house. Um, yeah. But Trevor uh, Trevor Welch, you can find his stuff at. Uh, Trevor.money or ladyboyrecords.bandcamp.com. Um, follow him on Twitter at Trevor Welch. That's W E L C H. Thanks again, Trevor. Yep. And in the show notes, too. Yep. Um, yeah. So it caught my attention mostly because, I mean, that's pretty amazing to see if you've ever been an evangelical, which we both have. Uh, and I guess I'll be sharing a, a lot of really hard things about myself this mm-hmm. episode and what 
stuff I was into consuming at a certain time in my life and things I believed. Um, not me, all you dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, you think that you're a very special minority, right? That's part of the whole evangelical ethos is we're a tiny group of the real Christians and, um, there may be a larger group of quote nominal Christians. And then outside of that is an even bigger group of secular people here in America. Mm -hmm. And so you always have this feeling that you're in on a very small secret, that you're a very small group. And, and yet everybody is aware of you and is looking and is inspired by the way you live your life. Absolutely. Um, so you're constantly kind of on stage. Yeah. And yet, so even though I know that that's not true now, I'm still always surprised to just see how evangelical culture in many ways is mass culture. Hmm. Same way like conspiracy theory culture is also mass culture. It's just mainstream stuff. Um, so it caught my attention for that reason. So I decided to do, you know, well, let's do another Christian shit episode and just go purge through this podcast. It's only... Um, it's like six or seven episodes and then a bonus episode. And so I was like, I'm going to binge this. I'm not going to like it. Uh, but I think there'd be something to talk about because I think it it just struck a nerve for me. And I think it strikes a, lerf, a nerve for a lot of people of Mark Driscoll in particular, which we'll go into. And this sort of uh, particular brand of evangelicalism really like captured a certain moment for a certain time in American history, which was not very long ago. And I think it is a real cipher for the times. And we opened up with the quote and uh, a little reference to Afghanistan because, of course, of all the hand-wringing that everybody's doing online about us losing the war in Afghanistan, which is... Wait, the, what? Yeah. We lost the war in Afghanistan? As a matter of fact, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I cared so much about that. Dang, were you invested in the heroin trade? I or was... got a lot of... Uh, you know, defense stocks or something like that. As a matter of fact, I do. Yeah, because we did. Uh, Joe Biden did actually just r- ruin a pretty good business for a lot of people. Um, so, anyways, I was first of all shocked to see the hand wringing, and if you're on like Twitter or you watch the news, then you have your mouth wide open to receive the uh, propaganda machine shit into your mouth of this stuff about how. Yeah, why we still need to be there, why we should be there, and why we can be there. Mm. Uh, all of which have been proved wrong, that we shouldn't be there, and we can't be there. It's it's almost not even a matter of should. We just can't pull it off anymore. Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, but I was really shocked to see that trickle all the way down to even evangelicals and seeing people I've never seen ever post, like, let alone anything political, maybe because they kind of got a little you know, uh, scared away from it as things have gotten intense around Trump, you know, like they're not Trump posters per se. Sure. So they've kind of stayed away from politics, at least online. And, um, certainly never anything about Afghanistan or the slightest degree of awareness that we're over there, uh, running around with armored vehicles and planes and drones and bombs and gigantic guns and stuff like that. Um, then say, oh, my God, I'm so I'm praying for all the whoever slot in, whoever it is, mm-hmm. um, whatever group of people you're concerned about. 
right over there all of a sudden that you just learned uh were there anyways um so i thought it might be a nice tie-in to talk about things things collapsing things failing um it seems to be a recurring theme right in our current uh experience of the world and life in general not going to bring up uh, the collapse of the public education system right now. We'll 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 get there, Paul. Uh, it's 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 not it's not quite happening yet, but I don't know. There's some shake. It's foundations are shaking. Yeah. Well, we can definitely talk about all that. Um, but I was reflecting on earlier how this the uh, greater part of this war was the time of Mark Driscoll's ascendancy, like really. 2001 is when everything started for him and he started to become an established figure by 2004 he's getting popular into like 2010 he had his collapse in 2014 15 something like that and his church it's amazing it took as long as it did um but at the same time not really because he he was kind of a mastermind in a lot of ways and and never really did misstep in the way that so many of his other contemporaries did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also one thing that comes to mind is if, if Mark Driscoll, if he fell in 2014, it's, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised by the fact that it's taken Christianity today seven years to do a full analysis of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say when I like saw that this podcast was, um, you know, popular and I had people texting me about it and stuff. And, um, it was like, oh, they didn't do this three or four years ago when it was actually relevant, yeah. <laughs> you know, like not that it isn't anymore, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty much par for the course that there's this, like that, that the evangelical sort of, uh, most influential publication is three to four years behind the kind of social moral quote-unquote moral reckoning that has been happening in the culture more broadly speaking and it's just kind of now taking place in earnest to some to some extent in the evangelical church if that if it even is or if it's just the you know theatrical sort of performance of it yeah totally i mean it's it's very weird it's like why why now it's also weird it's even weirder that it like has this appeal right now that people still remember it and would care. I mean, and it's also kind of like a true crime type of podcast. It's like just telling you all the, all the stuff that happened. It, it has those beats to it of yeah. like this happened and this happened. And, mm-hmm. and at the heart of it is a bad guy, you know, right. someone who's presented as a sociopath and, you know, fairly so. Um, but yeah, even for me, it was like, I'm, I'm willing to listen to this because I don't know. I just wanted to peek back under the covers. Totally. I mean, I I'm I was quick to jump back in for sure because I don't think I have ever. For for, for me, it's been more like, all right, moving on. You know, I, yeah. I'm just gonna. I, I know it, so I don't need to know all the details necessarily. Yeah. But it it was a a good exercise to some degree to see a lot of those details played out, not all of the details per se, and I'm being very abstract right now. Um, although I will say there were many times I, while listening to this, driving, riding my bike, you know, 
in the grocery store with strangers around out, you know, out loud proclaimed, no shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a no shit um, type of podcast. So, yeah, we're going to just kind of we're, we're not going to like bore you with details. If, you, if this interests you, I guess we could uh, either recommend or not recommend. But I'm going to try a Driscoll tactic. If this doesn't interest you, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> then, yeah. That's that's your problem. Yeah. That means you are weak. That means you have a spiritual issue that you can only rectify by listening to me. So some, some listen you... up, you beep. Ooh, <laughs> the cussing pastor. <laughs> some of you guys in here, some of you guys don't even want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Now I'm gonna. I swear. Now I'm. I, some of the guys who listen to this podcast, they should be put. They should be in baby strollers. <laughs> we should be putting them in strollers. You put a pacifier in their mouth. I swear they can't handle anything. I have to chew it all up and spit it out for them. Me and the audience laughing so hard, <laughs> just going nuts. <laughs> so funny, clapping like seals. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I thought. Um, I thought it'd be good to do a postmortem. Okay, so we may be able to tie in some art stuff. I do think it's relevant, like uh, especially to the whole emergent church conversation and just flavors of Christianity that were floating around at the time that we were exposed to and how this one in particular probably got a much bigger audience. Um, but it is it is a you know evangelical discussion, uh, or yeah, evangelical uh, drama. Before you proceed, for our non-evangelical campers, can you give a quick, well, yeah, quick description of Mark? Or unless you were I'm gonna do planning that. on I'm doing gonna do that. that, okay. Uh, it was just by way of saying I think this is an interesting po- postmortem because this had I think this had to have meant something like this as a cultural phenomenon, and I'm curious, like, what happened to this energy? What happened to these people? How does this relate to the more like diffused, uh, less ideological movements that then got tied to other parts of the internet, political parts of the internet, like QAnon or the Proud Boys or whatever? Um, what's the connection there? I there probably really is. Like I'm not saying it appeals to the same person exactly, but. Yeah, it's just, from my perspective, it definitely d- appeals to me, and I'm I like all those things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just kidding. I just think it's like there's always just been a big question mark over it. When it when his fall actually came, you know, I was like off the boat completely, and it was just like, haha, you know, <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. Um, but it, I thought it'd be nice to do a little bit more of a post mortem and actually look at the root causes, which is something that the, the podcast we'll be talking about doesn't do at all. So anyways, let's, let's actually get into it. We're just going to talk a little bit about this podcast. So again, it's called The Rising Fall of Mars Hill. It's hosted by Mike Cosper, who is an evangelical, um, and by all signs, are still a very fairly conservative, if not like still reformed, and definitely was at a certain time, and definitely was on the uh, Mark Driscoll uh, train or the on bus. the, or on the neo reform trained at the time. So mm. along for the ride, Mark prefers the, <laughs> the analogy bus. of the yeah. bus, the, the, the bus that runs, uh, runs people, people over and kills yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, okay, let's try and set this up a little bit. Um, Mark Driscoll is a pastor 
uh, he became a pastor of a, a huge church, which also had a church planning network, which also had uh, like some sort of training education system, uh, lots of like online outlets. They had a huge impact over evangelicals between the years of like 2000 to 2015, something like that. Yeah. And in particular, they were sort of riding this wave and it's not like Mark Driscoll invented this, but he was one of the spokespersons for a reactionary tide of evangelicalism, which was really uh, harping against uh, like liberal creep within the church. So it was reacting against Not liberal creeps per se, because we know they're there. <laughs> uh, guilty. Uh, <laughs> that's my uh, guys with the tattoos. Put that on your right? dating profile. Liberal creep. <laughs> Continue. Liberal creep. Liberal 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 ascent. But it's like I mean, it matches so many other historical religious movements in that um, it is a reformist quote movement it's trying to strip away all the cultural influence and things that are seen as corroding and corrupting uh, a pure essence and get back to roots and anything that's framed that way of course is reactionary and is going to be conservative and is really socially against um like flavors in the church which mark especially saw as feminine or homosexual liberal um mm -hmm licentious like and so it has like that whole social aspect and then in terms of theology is extremely uh strict doctrinally and is trying to strip down to like this particular preaching of the gospel um all of which kind of gets collected into this you know into s sort of trying to, to redo uh calvinism or yeah, some sort of reformation thing. So it all got bundled up into like being called neo-reformed or uh, neo-Calvinist or like the young ref restless and reformed, which they mentioned in the podcast. But it was basically, you know, a reactionary reformist movement of we're getting rid of all you pussies and mm -hmm. all your pussy theology. And we're going back to the real hardcore stuff of John Calvin. And um, yeah, so that's that's how I would place him. Um, anything I missed in the broadest strokes? Not really. I, I mean, we were both kind of firsthand witnesses to this pretty young at the time so that I think we maybe were able to see it in its most pure form in a way because we were young men. Mm -hmm. Um, not that I think either of us really truly got sucked into the vortex. Um, I know you will be hard on yourself, but I don't think compared to some of these people who were in this, yeah. in this orbit, it was the, the kind of, uh, you know, full hook line sinker, you name it, just acceptance of this as the truest doctrine, the way and a totalizing worldview that came along with it was, it seems like there was just a whole, there were, hundreds of thousands of people who, who bought this, you know, and swallowed it whole. Yeah. Um, an ideology that sort of, uh, spoke to the boredom and the aimlessness of, uh, a bunch of drifting young men, right. not unlike, uh, Wahhabism or something like right. that. See, that is so, I, I don't want to jump ahead too far here, but there, because you brought up 
we talk, we've been talking about Afghanistan already and uh, 9-11, sort of with, you know, Wilco and Ashes of, Ashes of American Flags, uh, Tall Building Shake, Voices Escape, singing sad, sad songs, right? That, yes, Driscoll and the neo-reform movement were very much a reactionary movement that you could, you know, of the early aughts that have a lot to do with the the chaos and the meaninglessness that American men and Americans in general were encountering at, the, at those times. And the answer, of course, in times of confusion and great meaning is extremism, right? And he, he explicitly says, we need to be more like, yeah. a, like militant Muslims. Yeah. He says that, right? And he mischaracterizes Islam. I'll say that very, very like of course. explicitly is he's like, oh, yeah, uh, they have beards. Why are all of our men, these these soft, pudgy faced, you know, milk drinking softies? They, you know, are violent and we should be, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, obviously this is something that was happening all over America, but it's this characterization of of Islam in the Middle East that is completely obviously uh, exaggerated, to put it mildly, in order to justify this warmongering, misogynistic, violent idea of what a man should be. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, he's saying more than he knows of like, um, or he's, yeah, doing his sort of like projection or fantasy of like, yeah, we want, we want we that want idea that. here too. Yeah, we yeah, want we, to be, or else we're gonna lose the war. Right. That's that's he says that right. we're at war. Right. Um. Yeah. Totally. Uh. I think the only other like setup piece that I miss is that this all came at the time of the emergent church. So like, yeah, early aughts time. I don't know it how much was just like dubbed this in retrospect, but I guess there's like a some sort of critical mass of people, you know, guys in the church, uh, trying to do things somewhat differently, um, or recognizing that the church is dying all over the country and the world, Christianity is dying, Mm -hmm. and really feeling the need to rethink things, and that at the beginning of the movement, you had a a crazy spectrum, well, not that crazy, because they're all still evangelicals, but like, spectrum of people lumped together from Brian McLaren, who, you know, is generally like a progressive liberal evangelical to Mark Driscoll. Like they're coming to the same conferences for, for a few years. Like people aren't, (laughs) aren't aware of what a huge issue that would be to bring Mark Driscoll to your conference like that. That sounds like such a blast, doesn't it? It sounds awesome. Man, I wish I could have gone. These guys are just in conferences like every week. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and when you when you tithe to a church, that's where your money's going most of the time is to pay for the yeah. conference fees for their yeah, for your pastors. Totally. Um, so, anyways, like I mean, that's when like we kind of synced up with some of the stuff, which was honestly like somewhat liberated and exploring really different things. And the people, in particular, for us who like kind of dipped us into this world, there really was like pretty novel ways of exploring this content that was just to tie it back to a magic camp, like very art focused and rather than 
uh, word focused or like preaching focused. And I could go off on particulars of like how really kind of different some of the stuff I was exposed to for sure in those early stages before I knew what I was getting into. Yeah, totally. How I didn't know there was so much death cab for cutie in Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking that and I just heard some death cab on the way over here. Um, nice. Uh, no, but for real, like I can think of particular people who are, you know, wonderful people who it would be their job to say like, you're going to lead a Bible study for this, you know, group of like Christian staffers. Um, and then would get up, read lyrics from, uh, I don't, I don't know, like Springsteen or like December song or something, something yeah. about a motorcycle. And that was it. Like, right. and just talk about the lyrics. Yeah. And it, almost everyone, or, you know, me sitting there is going like, so wait, 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 wait. Like the motorcycle is Jesus or like, <laughs> and refusing to, to take the bait, like, uh-huh. which is pretty cool. Anyways, there was at the time a lot of talk about art and there's actually, you know, like a couple of quotes in the podcast from Mark, even at that early stage, glomming onto this talk of like, we need artists in the church. We need poets and prophets. And like, these are the people who really, you know, transcend and communicate like with people. Um, mm, yes, Mark. Yes. That, yes, Mark. That was jettisoned Woo! really, really quickly. Um, but Sorry. anyways, like this movement was going on and it's not a coincidence too, that it was going on um, at a time when the uh, <laughs> ruling elite we're doing a concentrated job on coupling the church to the political right, mm-hmm. right? Like trying to get full-fledged support for invading Iraq and Afghanistan in the church. And for the most part, they were completely unresisted in that regard. Um, but I do think that was part of the tension of some of these people like Brian McLaren, I think, saying, I don't think we want to be a part of this anymore. We don't want to be the religious right anymore. Anyways, in that same tent, then you have this further or on the other side of the spectrum, uh, John Piper and Mark Driscoll and basically all the, you know, usual, all the usual suspects. Um, and Mark had a particular brand, which was talking more about gender than the other ones Mm -hmm. and, and speaking to young men quote, um, more than the other ones. But in the end they were, you know, they're all just sort of like, yeah, we're Calvinists, you know? Um, anyways, naturally that whole emergent church thing had to split apart and Mark Driscoll and the other conservatives went one way and the other emergents probably just ended up not being Christians anymore. And we might talk about, uh, how right they were, (laughs) but like, if you want to put two people on the spectrum here, it'd be like, I don't know. What's Rob Bell up to today? He's not a Christian anymore. Thank I don't you. Think. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the peop- the criticism people had of the, like the emergent church is like that. It just leads out of the church, uh, which is testament to how it <laughs> how was on the cool right track. Is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just kidding. But, but not really. Anyways, for me, it was like, those were kind of the two biggest names at the, at that time. Rob Bell, Rob on Bell was big. Yeah. And Mark Driscoll on the other end. Yep. Um, I was a bellman through and through. Right. Right. And I was too for the longest time until I got I mean, yeah. too, too far in. Sure. And, okay, I'll just make my confessions right now. I ended up being 
you know, into all the neo-reform stuff. Um, I couldn't like get f- at so far culturally with what they're doing because right. of where I was at. I just knew it was dorky as hell, mm-hmm. most of it. Um, but I was but still into the ideas, mm-hmm. which I admit now with extreme shame. Um, I was never really into Driscoll as a brand because he was so cringe and like, yeah, it just like annoying to listen to, mm-hmm. but I'll admit something that the host of this podcast doesn't, which is I was completely signed on with all of these ideas and they're fucking dog shit. Mm-hmm. And it's something you should be ashamed to admit. <laughs> Um, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Sorry. And I'm probably going to get mad cause I'm mostly mad at myself, but I've been rambling. So jump in. No, I, um, that's a very astute, uh, rundown on the situation there. Um, and yeah, let's just jump in. I, I think we can probably illustrate this with some more specific examples of from the show. Uh, Driscoll was powerful, man. There's no doubt about it. Like, though they they do a really good job on this show um, of including these clips that capture his rhetorical power, um, credit where it's due, in that he was just like a master manipulator with words. Rhetorician. You know, rhetorician. He was uh, what, what Plato might call a sophist <laughs> um, or a charlatan, um, but he was an incredibly powerful speaker and it just goes to show how much you know we can claim to have more uh kind of complex aesthetic desires at times for what we want out of our spiritual lives but at the end of the day we just want somebody to talk at us in a pretty way you know and like trigger the right emotional responses that give us a good little you know, dose of serotonin and shame and Mm -hmm. kind of get through that cycle in a rapid, rapid 90 minute period. Yeah. Um, but so maybe we can start by going through, I I don't really recall each episode specifically, but where do you want to start? Yeah. We've already started, but where where should we jump in? First of all, that this, uh, again, that this podcast is produced by Christianity today, which is a conservative evangelical outlet yes that's that's okay let's contextualize that a little bit yeah so that is my like huge one of my huge takeaways from just listening to this and uh what we've talked about a lot is that even if this was done in earnest and in good faith which i think it was yeah um if you go to listen to this show don't expect any real reckoning with the sort of core issues that right. they claim to outline in the in the little cool theme song. In a best in a paper. What is it? Pa- pa- Paint the beauty, Paint the beauty we, split. we split. And with actually, a cool song. After we stop recording, can you go ahead and paint the beauty we split, please? <laughs> I'm busy. I can't do it. And then I, I'll Venmo you for dinner. <laughs> it's just okay, after fine. you sure, paint sure, the beauty. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got yeah, it, got bad it. music. Sorry. Bad music. But it, but it says, like, they, it makes this kind of grandiose claim, like, shouldn't we, if this keeps happening, shouldn't we try to go to the, look at ourselves and ask ourselves why I keep happening, this keeps happening? But you kind of know right off the bat that if this is a, you know, done by a fundamentally, like, evangelical publication, like the foremost evangelical publication, which 
they, you know, they can straddle certain political lines. I'm not denying that, but ultimately they're, you know, they've already made their bed in terms of what they're willing to say and what they're willing yeah. not not willing to say where they're willing to go and where they're not willing to go. Um, theologically, philosophically, right. uh, it politically. Exactly. So like this podcast is good in the sense that like anything that NPR makes is good <laughs> or sure. like podcast wise right? in that it's going to give you a lot of facts and a lot of information. do a fair, like a good amount of research, like give them work, give them credit for the amount of work done on this and the getting interviews from people and a lot of, a lot of quotes and a lot of editing, you know, it's, it puts a lot in front of you. Um, including some like interesting, like dot connecting, but, um, it's bad in the exact same way. All those, like any top podcasts like that is bad in that, it gives you the feeling that you're learning something and explains absolutely nothing. <laughs> like it gets you absolutely nowhere. And that, that's why we love podcasts, man. That's why we can't stop. Yeah. So the guy who is like the host and, you know, um, ultimately put it together is this guy, Mike Cosper, who is just, his like voice a, is only a little bit annoying. <laughs> it's not that bad. In the same way ours are. Um, yeah, true. But, um, he, but he has a kind of, well, it's like, <laughs> okay, so now he's just making podcasts is what I gather. He's been a pastor and like a church planner of the reformed type. Um, he was in the Acts 29 church oh, planning network, which is the Mars Hill church planning network. So he's like, you know, uh, in that scene, at, as was I as an observer, but, um, you know, he's still still basically in those same positions. Right. So I'm not going to fault him for like, you know, having those beliefs, like that's fine. And he's not a pastor anymore, but like ultimately taking a pastoral type of tone, which to me is a bad thing mm -hmm. um, of, yeah, the, the thing that gets me more than anything that is like the real meta analysis for me of like, I, I wish I could understand this, but it's too subtle. It's too like, too ingrained is the way like evangelicals use certain words, mm -hmm. these magical words of right. like, there's so many of them. Like they ultimately like work on words, like, and work with the power of magical phrases, but of mm -hmm. like, yeah, of like the Le leader, leader the leaders, le leaders who are around. And it's like right. some yeah. dipshit lawyer, like who was given a title at this church. I don't care. Like <laughs> how, like, Ugh, like it makes the, the, him something special to be a, a leader mm -hmm. or men like that is the grossest word used. And I don't just mean in terms of like, oh, men are bad, but like the way the, the way that that word is used as a, a fetish, like it's, it really is. I think if you were to do a, like a word cloud, it would just be <laughs> yeah. like men, men would be the biggest one. Like the way that like from Mark Driscoll's speech himself. Yes, but it just also says men, also Mike, men, 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 men. Also, men. Mike, the host, right, does it yeah. a lot, men, uncritically of like the men who were, right, you know, the men who gathered around, right, Mark Driscoll. Um, yeah, for sure. It's gro It's just really, yeah, it just I, creeps me out so much. Just another note on that. I, I was saying this to you before, but I think I've in the first three or four episodes, I reached my limit on 
pastor voice, yeah. which which is. I had never really been able to put my finger on it until they lined up so many of these dudes yeah. like back to back to back to talk about their church plants and Mark and, and it's just this like very, um, I don't know how to describe it. it. It's not quite a Southern accent, but it, but it's very, uh, it's very articulate. Um, and, and it's very self-effacing, but also, um, you know, it, there's, there's a humility there and it, uh, it, it's, um, Meant to convey. It's meant to be. <laughs> meant to convey, both erudition and humility, right. and everything that no person can be all things at yeah. once. It's like it's, I'm, it's I'm supposed folksy. to do that. I'm folksy, but I'm also smart. But I'm also smart. Competent. But I'm also tough. But I'm also competent. But I'm also this. And it's just so, it's so learned. You can tell when you hear them all sound this way. And I'm saying. Who ate my cheese toast? <laughs> Who ate my cheese toast? That's a little bit different. That's, that's different. That's more of a yeah. That's more of a personal. Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do. Kermit the Frog here. Totally. So that's that's kind of the tone. Um, and in case we haven't said it clearly enough, like the no go zone is like just talking about Mark's beliefs, and the theology is not touched or criticized. There's a little there's a little blurb on it in one episode which we'll go into, but for the most part, like I mean, it's a pretty tight production here. I say like the first few episodes are doing that sort of NPR sociology soft science right. of like explaining the historical f- forces of well, first you had mega churches and TV and broadcasting, and then people were moving to the suburbs, and then the internet came along, and blah blah blah, and sort of it's like sort of a material materialist description but really it's just like sort of pseudoscience psycho or sociology right. of like these are all the factors that produced mark or more importantly a kind of pr- like Me- made, mega pastors right and like made his movement ripe like this right. is why so many people were ripe for the plucking i will say and and i agree that that was mostly boring and and obvious for the most part but when they do describe sort of the very concerted effort that certain early megachurch pastor planters, the sort of strategies they use to capitalize on um, the flight to the suburbs to yeah. sort of the consolidation of of normative hegemonic culture yeah. around Christianity is one of the most disgusting things yeah uh, and maybe the worst thing that's happened in american history yeah. i don't know just like here like how much power they were able to consolidate in such a short period amount of time yeah. and and what the effect that that had on american culture right is is like can't be understated right yeah i thought that was pretty good like in particular they talk about how rick warren sat down with a map and a bunch of demographic statistics and pinpointed Whatever suburb Three of cities. L.A. Yeah. that or San Diego or whatever that it's Orange he County, yeah. moved to to start his church because it was the right right market. It was fast growing. It was um, like completely in people making money created. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is extremely gross and just like I can't believe it's, that would be admitted. It's and, pro- and, and and all that also is presented with with maybe like this a little bit of sort of a critical air to it, but there's never any, this is maybe an example of 
there's never any full reckoning with the fact or the notion that this is essentially like a colonialist mindset, mm-hmm. you know, that it is literally just like, we're going to go there and we're going to, we're going to colonize this place yeah. with our ideas, with our money, and we're going to enhance our own sort of power in the process of doing that, Yeah, you know? And, and of course this is all when you, if you're, if you're a Christian, then it's in done in the name of evangelization. Oh yeah. You can't so be you, wrong. You can't be you wrong. Can never be wrong. But it is yeah. this, I don't know. Like if you, when, once you kind of accept that or deny that premise, it, it's really hard not to see that as just yeah. like, yeah, like he, what, what even is nah, anyway. Yeah. And it, that was definitely before our time. The Bill Hybels thing was also before our time. Um, as like the, the CEO pastor of like, I can run a successful business, but I'm choosing to be here instead. And that's how, you know, like I'm a good pastor mm-hmm. and cause I'm like, I'm sort of a little bit world smart. Um, that guy's a total prick and he fell because of sexual predation, <laughs> like, um, sexual abuses. Um, no surprise there. I mean, it happens every time almost. Um, but anyways, the only thing I wanted to bring up in particular about that, which I did think was interesting, which was during our time was you had that, the previous generation of flight to the suburbs. We're going to go get all these suburbanites. And then almost more as just a pure theoretical exercise, the Mark Driscoll's or like Tim Keller, like this whole movement of guys of going, we're going back to the back city. Back to the city. We're going to save the city. So that's oh what, what Mars Hill, you know, was a big premise of like, we're taking over the city. We hate you. We hate everybody here, but at the same time, we love you and we're going to redeem the city. And right. we're really, we really care about the quote unchurched. Um, but I, you lived in Seattle, yeah. I mean, probably after the heyday, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I yep. know you told me about like encountering their like incognito coffee shops and shit. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. They have one, um, coffee shop that's still there. That was an arm of their, you know, arm of the empire that, that is now under new ownership, I believe, but it's called, um, what, oh God, what's it called? Is it a pun? No, it's called Storyville. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that whole Sick. section, that that was where my blood boiled. I mean, my blood boiled at several points, but something about that particular language and mindset of of these evangelical pastors going into cities like they're going into a war zone Afghanistan. and going into Afghanistan. They, they, you they could be one and the same. Yeah. Pray pray for Christians in Seattle. Right. Uh, we're going You know, because to- they're 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 uh embattled we're going to win hearts and minds, but at the same time, I'm rolling up in, in a, a massive in an armored, armored tank vehicle, yeah. and we all have huge uh, sunglasses and sandwiches and guns out the window with us. Yeah, right. And so, are we here to kill you? Do we hate you, or are we trying to help you? Right. Uh, we're trying to help you if you're if you sign on. <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> otherwise, the way they, we think you're going to hell. Right. And the way they describe where they had their kind of main campus, which is a neighborhood called Ballard, really great place. Shout, shout out to Ballard. They talk about it like it's like it's 
the weather underground or like it's, it's, you know, like the wet, the, I'm mixing up all my neighborhoods now, but, um, the tenderloin district in like 1965 in San Francisco or something like that. Or like, it's this, this hell hole of, of like bohemian indulgence and gluttony. Yeah. When in reality, Seattle has been a tech city for the last 25 years. Right. You know, and, the way I kind of understand how a church like Marcel ran in Seattle was that it was mostly people from the suburbs yeah. coming into Seattle on a Sunday. I, I can't say that's 100% the case because you could be a suburban white person and live in, in Seattle proper, you know, as well. And you're not, you know, rubbing shoulders with, with, the dirtied unchurched masses. Yeah. You're still in the most, one of the most like myopically white liberal, <laughs> like, okay. Liberal in the sense of like neoliberal yeah. cities in America. Mm-hmm. Sure. It does have a really true and good spirit of like leftist history there. That's real. I saw that in the year, in the months when I was there after, um, you know, when the protests started up last year, that was one of the, one of my favorite memories of Seattle was to see that sort of revolutionary spirit kind of come out again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that they describe kind of, you know, taking over Seattle and the way that they would do that is through having kids and buying houses. Yeah. Yeah. And well, doing well, a, what, good, like, a good job at work. Yeah. And doing a good job at your job. Yeah. Like, how do you sit in the audience at a church and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this is a this is a Bible Bible believing church. Yeah, that's talking about real estate. Yeah, right. And um, I'll say now that the show is like good at covering all the facts you already knew. Like, if you look up Mars Hill and this whole deal, this is the like the Wikipedia skeleton, and it, it goes just more into depth in, in some ways of like getting some interviews and like. I don't even know about that. They get a this side, that side interview sort of on everything they're talking about. Sure. One person is like, um, yeah, it was, well, not, they don't really even talk to people who are badly hurt. They really don't. They talk to some people who were fired, you know, and were pretty stunned by it. And then they talk to someone who were like, yeah, we were all running around talking about how women were subordinate and gays were going to hell and just having a blast. And Damn, awesome. what a what a what a crazy time to be alive! And people were coming to Christ. Yeah, and we were baptizing thousands people of people a day. You know the story that guy tells, especially too, where the big payoff is. And I turn around and it's my six-year-old. <laughs> I know. Oh, God, God. That, I know. How do you how do you include that in the show, honey? Do you know that you're a sinner? And that <laughs> you deserve to go to hell. But that Jesus died for your sins. <laughs> yes, Daddy. I don't find that uh, acceptable. No, not at all. Let alone not be- at all. beautiful. No, that Sorry. was where I was. It's like... extremely gross to manipulate children emotionally. Yeah. Just a newsflash. Period. Period. Um. Anyways, yeah. So they the structure of the thing is like. They sort they do kind of a bull size and sometimes you hear someone who's like, Okay, you're giving me some, you know, saying how bad this was. They do that a bit. 
and then you get the uh, then you'll immediately get another side of like yeah but we were all having a blast like um and you know lives are changed um and then they also houses were bought (laughs) houses were bought not getting in the way of any of the machinations of capitalism or Mm -hmm. empire but um which is why someone like mark is allowed to thrive nary a a mention in this podcast of of anything we just said of like there's no scrutiny whatsoever of the theology I'll just say no, that. Not, no, a, not a not a not all. a single word of of criticism or in, interrogation. Right. Continue. Or self-reflection. Right. Like and then they also have these like sort of talking heads like let's get a, you know, a missiologist or a socialist or <laughs> sorry, not a socialist, sociologist to tell us about X like, you know, from a professional perspective. Um, and those are also sort of one of each of like someone who's a complete idiot and then someone who says something insightful. Um, Tony Jones is on there. I think he's, he's a pretty good guy. He's an, I think another one of these evangelical or sorry, the emergent church guys are just like, and we're out <laughs> like just mm-hmm. the trajectory straight out and you can respect him for that. Um, anyway, so they kind of, anyways, the, the, they devote the first part to sort of, yeah, the sociological forces, which explain very little in the end. Um, and then they kind of give one episode to sort of the theology in the, not the, not the actual, just like, uh, you know, bare bones of the theology, but sort of like his brand as a us against them and mm-hmm. combative. And they, he makes brief mention, Mike, the host of, uh, Mark became reformed, which is funny. Like he always was, but like he became, you know, outwardly saying I'm a Calvinist or whatever. They make a brief mention of that and, um, and sort of mention how it did influence the way that Mark sort of turned to just fully combative of, and even like they pull a pretty good quote where he's at a conference and says like, it's kind of having an argue argument with some liberals and saying, or liberals, you know, on an evangelical scale saying, it doesn't really matter because I know that God created some of you as matchsticks, like Mm -hmm. created some of you for eternal conscious torment, you know? Um, And so like that's the saying that he became reformed is like, yeah, he became a little more uh, possibly like just using explicitly Calvinist (laughs) ideas like as his brand. But then they sort of suggest that maybe he's doing it cynically and that, oh, he's not reformed anymore. Sort of to excuse the whole thing of like, well, this couldn't be a problem for, for reformed theology because he wasn't even for real about it, you know? Did you I, listen I, to that I episode? Didn't, I didn't catch that Im- implication. That's that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. The, the gist or something that you can't not mention is that this show does attempt to address the very real traumatic experiences of women in these churches, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the f- well, I, I don't even know if attempt is the right word. Yeah. It, it kind of appro- it acknowledges. It approaches and acknowledges yeah. while speaking the language of, of like, we know there's been hurt. We know there's been all this pain, yeah. right? Without ever actually really kind of 
confronting or considering what that is. Yeah. And you know, that's where, that's where Mark's theology gets really, yep. Really. He becomes a twisted psychopath. (laughs) Um, can we pause for one second? Yeah. There's an episode dedicated to his views on gender roles, women, sex in particular, which was definitely his brand. I mean, aside from just kind of the style of being the brash one who's willing to say everything that (laughs) conservative evangelicals believe, you know, out loud, basically. Um, Aside from that, it was his angle on talking about gender a lot and in particular things that admittedly i think some evangelicals weren't along you know weren't going to come along for because a it was like either too scandalous or they might have actually disagreed like i'll give some credit there um but yeah did you listen to that episode yeah that episode's insane yeah that's his real crime right (laughs) like yeah i mean the thing that grossed me out well, obviously the content of what he was saying was horrible. Yeah. But the things that like chills were running up my spine, the way that he mastered. So I don't want to like give any specific, well, I can give specific examples. We're not protecting Mark Driscoll here, but it's honestly just so crass and, and dumb to say where he's just saying all these, all this shit about, you know, first and foremost, men, you need to be this. If you're not this, you're a pussy. You need to stand up for your wife, protect your wife. You know, stop fucking around. To be fair, there's there are bears in the Pacific Northwest that could be threatening your wife. <laughs> True. Among many other things, especially in the city. <laughs> yeah, especially in the um, city. So he's got that whole spiel, which we've already kind of gone into, and it's just boring and, and dumb. Just kind of trading on young men's aimlessness and insecurity yeah calling them calling them out and then most of them say yeah mark gave mark gave me a purpose right he, he showed me how to how to be a man it's like that's fucking how to, pathetic uh, how to uh it, this this guy this right. is what it took for you to to like care about your life right and it's like it's mostly euphemism it's like the same thing as jordan peterson of like right. just uh, just yelling is enough yeah. To say, like, clean up your life. Right. But the specifics are very vague. Like, the specifics are uh, get married by a house, which that's going to fuck up some people's lives for mm-hmm. sure because right. most people are not ready for that. Right. And then you are going to use whatever, you know, poor young woman in this case who's on the other end who's going to be treated as an object of your destiny. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's mostly like very vague. Ultimately, the program is is like just be at church a lot and like um, just love just talk about the Bible all day and like make <laughs> make the Bible. Your, go to you go to go to your real estate job. Yeah, where you kiss your boss's ass all day long, so right. you can get you can get better, you know, assignments and commissions. Yeah. And then go to church when you're not. Then there. come here at like at least two or three nights a week for whatever programs and like go to your Bible study and read the Bible and pray and like make just make sure that Christianity is your one and only hobby. 
<laughs> That's honestly like you're playing guitar. What the hell are you doing? What the hell? Who ate my cheese toast? <laughs> um, he says that at one point. But it's. I just want to point out real quick. He's not a fraud in the sense that like he's not masking like a political agenda in uh, like explicit terms. He actually just wants to talk about the Bible all day, every day. Yeah. Like you he, and me both, brother. He actually is a a nerd. <laughs> a nerd. Kind of, kind of a nerd for theology, which is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Say the two guys with a podcast talking about theology. No, but not, not really. A podcast no. about theology. <laughs> it's not. But okay, uh, moving on. So no, there's the whole yeah, yeah. all the stuff about men, right? Right. And and it's so embarrassing the way that they drum up they they get all these guys to be like yeah mark did some bad stuff but he really changed my life yeah. you know like it's like dude you're going on record saying this yeah like okay but but the the flip side of course is um the really insanely like crass and pornographic stuff that he was saying about sex yeah that is directed towards women and being sexually subservient to their husbands right right and well yeah and not just in in every way in every way not just to their husbands but in every way and and you know go listen to the show if 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 you need more specifics on that but he he's like they talk early in the show about how like mark was more like a a insult comic than a pastor he was punk rock he he was punk rock he modeled his his uh sermons off of Chris Rock's stand-up specials. Yeah. You know, which is like, okay, cool, bro. Like, who yeah. gives a shit? But but he is he's saying these incredibly like nineteen not even nineteen, like eighteen eighty seven ass statements. I would go as far as saying like, this is Puritan shit. Yeah. This is straight up like... Oh, yeah. It's like, all neo-Puritan. It's literally puritanical shit that he, he'll say in the form of a sort of jokey... He'll say it with a jokey delivery. Right. With a kind of this exasperated like... You know, I'm telling these guys like, yeah, you should ask your ask your wife for, for oral sex. Tell her. Tell her, yeah. What's you the have deal to do the, with women not deal? wanting to suck your dick? <laughs> That's exactly And the crowd goes nuts. Yep. The crowd goes crazy like he's, he's fucking... Steve Martin, like it's insane, and it's it's so dis- it it is akin to when you watch one of those. And I don't want to be dramatic here, but you watch one of these old clips of Mussolini or any of these guys, <laughs> you know, and they're like standing in front of a crowd, black and white film reel, just shaking room, their fists, room, and there's these room, little these these little kids and women waving their hats in the air, like yeah. woohoo, like laughing and smiling like what are like what are we talking about in this podcast if that if if you're just sort of like tiptoeing around like okay so mark did this then like he told the other pastor that it's like no this guy's a fucking he's a he's a narcissist psycho yeah what what else is there to talk about right and and your church turned him into like he was the most popular christian in america for yeah. 10 years. Right. Yeah. How do you not say, okay, we're done. <laughs> right. Back, <laughs> you it, know, like, back it up. Back it up. Well, okay. I'll say two, two sides of this. I do think this is probably the, 
the number five, the things we do to women, stupid name. Uh, I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> I don't do this. Um, is I think it's probably the best episode because it gets to the heart of why he was a little bit different than he was a little bit outside the norm of what was going on in this part of conservative evangelical world. Like he was pushing the envelope in this area. He wasn't pushing the envelope on the other stuff. He wasn't an outlier in a lot of other ways. Um, and they do like, they do a pretty uncensored job of showing exactly what he was saying, including some clips I've never heard before, like some deep cuts. And I think he does even say that the, like, I don't know if it was him or one of his interviewees saying this was a culture of rape, which is absolutely true. Right. Like above all, he was explicitly creating a culture of rape, (laughs) like telling women that Jesus was telling them to do all these things sexually. Right. Um, And so I think that's to the credit of Mike Costa, the host in this podcast. Good job on that. Um, what is not to their credit is that like um, just a level down from that is what they call complementarianism, which at the time is like, you know, was somewhat of a debate of complementarianism, which is a very nice sounding word for women are only allowed to do this, whereas men do that plus more, i.e. leadership. And so complementarian churches do not allow women in the leadership, executive leadership. So Mars Hill, whenever they're using the fetishized leaders, you know, talking about the leaders, by law or by bylaw, that's not women. They don't allow women to be elders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in their like gender marital roles, it's that men are supposed to do one thing and women are supposed to do other. And that's a, they complement each other. The difference is is that the men have the superior role, and they do all the leadership and important stuff, and women do things that we all know are, you know, not as cool or exciting or important. Um, and the like to make it explicit, it's just that women are subordinate to men, and men are supposed to do all the leading and all that. And this podcast will give that the very glossy term of saying, Mark was teaching the complementarian vision of gender roles. Right. And that's a euphemism for saying he believed that women were subordinate to men. Um, so that's what's, that's the other side of this is like, they don't have the critical awareness that you got to know your audience. Right. And they don't have the critical awareness to know that like, why wouldn't that, why wouldn't Mark's psycho, you know, sexual pathologies grow out of, that theological belief and they even like what really pissed me off is like there's a little section where he's like yeah um the academic theological tradition that taught complementarianism Wayne Grudem and blah 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 these are the like serious academics who created like the theological justification for this they signed on to what Mark was doing because he checked these boxes of their theology it's like, no, he's just representing their theology. Right. Like, they're signing off because he's exactly what they believe. Right. Not because he's checking a box. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do, Tur- you, do you recall yeah, that yeah, part? Yeah, totally. 
it's very funny to refer to like Wayne Grudem as like a respectable academic. He's just a fucking reactionary like Mark Driscoll. Yeah, he's like Pat Robertson. Yeah. And just because he has a big stupid book, right. like doesn't change that. Yeah. And there's a funny part where he refers to Mark Driscoll's like theology book that he co-wrote, aka like ghost wrote on systematic theology as a tome. Oh yeah. Four hundred pages or something. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um the point I want to draw out is like he was an outlier in what he was willing to say about sex. And this podcast does do a good job of like revealing that. Uh, he wasn't an outlier in that most of most even conservative evangelical churches were uh, completely on board with the whole complementarian theology mm-hmm. of women not being allowed to do leadership roles and in marriage not being allowed to do certain things. So obviously they're organically connected. Like if you believe women are subordinate to men, then why wouldn't that play out in sexual ways? It's all comes down to a self-fulfillment of the hyper moralistic behavioral individualistic expression of Christianity yeah. that is practiced in that Mark's, Mark's behavior can't be a product of a you know very clear, obvious theological tradition or the material sort of like grassroots that birthed him. Mm-hmm. It's just his own moral failings. He's a, he's a, you know, and they, they don't necessarily say, oh, Mark was a one-off. They try to do that, that thing where they say, no, this is part of a bigger problem. Right. But they don't have the tools because of what they, (laughs) because of the nature of a, of a Protestant American Western theology to scrutinize that because ultimately it, it cripples you. It, it kneecaps your, any attempt at real analysis and criticism if it if it ultimately is just what is this one person's like heart you're gonna fall short and it's gonna be it's gonna be a uh completely sort of you know just myopic way of looking at it you know right and so the problem will perpetuate right if as long as it's considered this personal choice right right and that is like, ultimately, I knew the podcast by being produced by Christianity Today would end up in that place of not being able to scrutinize itself and is going to try and isolate the problem and say, you know, Mark was a sociopath. And um, if, if it diagnoses a larger problem and you see the host try and do this, it's going to be completely nebulous in my opinion, like you said, of like, uh, the problem that created Marzil and is um, celebrity. The culture of celebrity. Culture of celebrity and toxic culture and uh, social mega, media. Mega church uh, and glorifying numbers over blah. And it's just like, yeah. at that point, you completely see that it unravels. Right, right. That And that's where they land, essentially. Right. It's is un- this. A couple, they make a couple points in those final, in that final episode and in the one that you met in the bonus episode. The one being, you know, Mark is a product of this celebrity culture. 
this obsession with individuals. Yeah. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> and and there's a person who they interview, we don't need to get into all the specifics, who like actually brings up the fact that it's like, you know, maybe maybe we worship individuals because that's what happens in the Bible. Right. <laughs> there are these heroes who emerge every 500 years. Yeah, he actually goes after Jesus. Like, yeah. Which is uh, makes kind of a lot of sense. Right. If you're looking for root causes. Yeah. And, and Mike can't cannot even like, fathom. It's like seeing the photograph. You haven't watched this in Westworld. Seeing a photograph <laughs> of the outside world. It's just like. I don't see anything strange. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> totally. Um, or the other, like, kind of thesis that they push in the end of the show is, you know, like, okay, we can recognize these flaws and these, these faults in the church, but ultimately, if all you want to do is criticize, right. then that's selfish, and that's... Um, you know, that's not belief, but there's a way in which you can rec you can see these things, you can acknowledge these things and you can, um, come through them with a, a deeper belief right. to which I would reply. No. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I would argue quite simply like, yeah, you can, you can go through this process of deconstruction, so to speak. And ultimately, if it's a real process of deconstruction, then you come out no longer needing this systematic theology that once propped up your belief. Right. And that's kind of the whole point, right. in my opinion, of, a, of an organized religion, right. is that you can ultimately discard it and transcend it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think the bonus episode the last episode is unfortunate i don't know if they meant to have it color everything and like yeah. really give that last word in the way it does but it's very bad bad they have a good guest this is an evangelical who was there at the center at that time that guy's cool left we should try faith. to get him on the podcast <laughs> sure. so we're, we got a running list we got cornell west sean john early, early. Yeah. and joshua harris hmm interesting yeah um but uh yeah he's left the he he's redacted and repented of his book and said like this is a bad book that hurt people and then left the faith i mean you don't even have to put it in those crash terms but i think it's a, like you might as well um because he regrets it like and he knows that on balance as he says there's just so much more bad things that happen than good and like he changed his mind about this shit mm -hmm. and it's just, I don't know. It's really hard for me to like see people like, yeah. Hand wringing about like this sort of thing of like, Oh, we're listening and we're like, Oh, this matters so much to us. And then not change your mind about anything. Right. Um, and, and anyways, like Mike, the, the, the host who we could give our comments on of like, you know, I mean, I guess if you listen to any podcast, like I'm sympathetic to like, I understand the guy. I think it's done in good faith. He seems like a pretty earnest guy. He seems like he's trying, but goes full pastor mode at the end of the podcast of talking down and cutting off and like shutting down this conversation by saying that, oh, we want to deal with the doubt. Like 
this, you know, like it's good to like wrestle with the pain and wrestle with the doubt. And he says verbatim, but when you do that, you need to look to God, to the scriptures, to the church and to seek truth where it may be found, which is fucking absurd. Like that is a blatant (laughs) contradiction. Like, how are you going to deal with doubt and do that at the same time? And you so can't. it's ultimately a way of saying, like, just stop. Shut up. 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 Sh- 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 and especially don't talk out, like, in public about this. Mm-hmm. Because then you're, you know. You're just I don't even part know of what celebrity to think culture. About you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're basically Kim Kardashian. Yeah, you're Kim Kardashian. Uh, and it, anyways, it just shows his blind spots. And it's fine. It's like you don't understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You can't understand. That's fine. So from that fuck angle. off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and it, the thing that feels the grossest about it is like, oh, is that what this whole project was about? Is just a concern that people are going to, you know, possibly recant some of their beliefs because of this. And first of all, I'll say, no, people aren't recanting or changing, leaving the faith, like because of, Mark Driscoll. That's not actually the cause, even though you want to make that the cause of like, oh, they've been so hurt. They've been hearing this false gospel, you know, from from people who are, you know, weren't genuine, you know, representing things the wrong way. And it's like, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) People are leaving the faith for lots of reasons. But one reason might be because um, they think it's like immoral and incorrect. <laughs> like right. might might be one thing. And uh, insufficient. Insufficient. It doesn't work, right? But anyways, like the gr- the gross feeling at the end of it is like, oh, this was your real concern. Mm-hmm. You're actually concerned that someone might become an atheist, or like just to put in your <laughs> own terms. I don't fucking care about theism or atheism. Mm-hmm. But, like, that for them is like, oh, my God. Like, someone became an atheist because Mark Driscoll had, had screwed it all up. Like, yeah. And that, it's like, what's actually worse for you, dude? The hurt that he caused or the fact that people are leaving your church and you think you can attribute it to him? Like, and it seems pretty clear. It's like, no, we want to stop the fallout. We want to stop people from right. stop the actually questioning their faith. Okay, I got that out. What I wanted to then... That's a great point. And to what I'll, I'll say to that is, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I know, this is, I know this is like heavy stuff. I know this is like really deep stuff. Like, <laughs> it's like, man. Um, no, but okay, here's what I wanted to say. So I got that out of the way. That's kind of our analysis of the podcast. I would say, if you're interested, listen. Just, you know, this is where it's coming from. Um, uh, But so we can um, eat our own dog food, to throw out a little tech term. Um, What? We're going to eat our own dog food. (laughs) That's a tech term? Yeah. You guys are disgusting. I don't want to get into it. no, that's not even a correct application, but like of actually dealing with the root causes, let's actually talk about root causes because the two big things that came up for me, of course, are like the theology, the whole program, like Mark is pitching a program of what he's going to give you and how it's going to change your life and how like that it works. And our criticism would be that no, it doesn't, but also like 
equally to that is sexual pathology, sexual Mm -hmm. repression, puritanism, and how easy that is to play upon in America. Yeah. (laughs) Possibly nowhere else on earth is it such so ripe for the plucking as in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so your thoughts? Uh, I completely agree. I, th- I think, um, you've, you've pretty much nailed all the, all the major points here. Um, we'll see it again in due time. I mean, we, we, you kind of alluded to the, uh, tendrils that reach out to things like Q and, um, all right and whatnot, um, which may be another way of looking at, at that is just another another place for our um, our as an American society's uh, dormant sexual repression to to linger for a little while, you know, like mm-hmm. what what new what new object can the sexual repression and pathology seize upon for the time being. Yeah. You know, is it, is it the deeply, you know, moralistic conservative, uh, behavioral vision of a Driscoll or a Peterson, or is it just this like, you know, uh, vigilante misplaced vigilante spirit that is that is QAnon of like I'm so sexually repressed that I have to go and kill pedophiles (laughs) I'm so desperately addicted to porn and so ashamed of it that I have to go and kill pedophiles right anyone who has that cheat code of knowing like every 22 year old (laughs) in America is hooked on porn and is so deeply ashamed of themselves can step in and say, they're watching porn. Yeah. Which is what such a huge part of Driscoll's message. Like, right. All the How other dare stuff, you? It's, How like, da- it's, 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 it's dressing. That's, that's window dressing. Right. It, it ultimately comes down to that key point of shame. Exactly. Like there's no emotional leverage saying like, you're not, you're not <laughs> providing for your family. Providing for your family. It's like, I don't have a family. Yeah. Or whatever of like, I don't have a girlfriend to propose to, or right. like, I can't do, I'm like, I work at a fucking, you know, car wash, right. like, but the porn point like is going to, you've, then you've got all these kids like by the balls, literally. Yep, you do. Um, and Mark knew that because of his own, whatever fucking psychology he's got going on. Oh man which I can only imagine. See, this is where they need, they need to bring, we need to do another separate podcast where you get outsiders who have no affiliation with the evangelical church whatsoever to just analyze the sexual pathologies going on with Mark Mark Driscoll. Like, Oh yeah, this dude, this dude's this or that. Like, (laughs) like that's what's going on with this guy. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. Right. Yes. So it's all that, it's all that inward hate being turned outward right. um, on the world. And so that's that like, <laughs> and exactly like you said, like it's, that's the exact same force that can be used as a, uh, just a huge lever to control people on uh, 
whatever political issue, whether right. it's QAnon or before that, like just the abortion issue of like, right. These liberals are out there like just having sex with no consequence. And right. It's all, I'm not saying like S- there's not <laughs> sexual police policing. Exactly. Right. I'm not saying there's not like whatever. I'm just saying that pathology is definitely at play. Right. Of imagining what other people are out there doing without you. <laughs> and QAnon is the most insane form of that, of like, uh, here's all the things that I have kind of indulged in my head um, and I'm deeply ashamed of. I'm going to project that and multiply it by five. And that's what, you know, John Podesta is doing. Well, he probably is. But, mm-hmm. um, but thank God for Trump that he's going to lock them all up. <laughs> Don't know where QAnon is, but I can tell you that this isn't gone. It's like, uh, who's the, who's the villain in, in Halloween? What's Michael it? Myers, Michael Myers. He's unkillable. He, he will come back. Right. Right. This is the unkillable repressed spirit of America. Um, so there's that. And then, so we can put that. Thanks aside. a lot. Puritans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so put that aside. The other thing too, that you get really big for Mark, but it's in, this is another way that he was not special. Every pastor talks this way. Is there like, I don't, I, w- I don't want to f- sound like an asshole because like you and I both have probably a pretty more than we let on, like even like, you know, a deep affinity for spiritual things and like mm-hmm. actually want to engage deeply in that. Um, and even entertaining theism, like different forms of it, but the theism of Mark Driscoll, that type of theism where there's a big guy, the big invisible guy big who guy. controls everything, the big guy, the big invisible guy <laughs> who controls. <laughs> he's a big invisible guy. He's beautiful. He's a big guy. We he's love the, him. He's the biggest guy. <laughs> he's invisible. Nobody's ever seen him. Nobody's seen him. <laughs> buddy, buddy, but we love the him. best clothes, but we, we love, love him. him. Don't we? <laughs> the holiest of holies. No, you but, step into his presence, you get electrocuted. But literally, you know, it's a person like you or me, a person who's just invisible and but does everything that happens around you. Everything that happens is controlled by this big invisible guy. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, they're fixated on you. They have a plan for you. And if you're special like Mark, they're speaking to you. So you'll have dreams where they tell you to invite this 18-year-old to come live in your basement. And you can relay <laughs> that fact to them. Or tell you that your purpose in life is to love my family and teach the Bible <laughs> or leave this church because it's a trap or whatever. Right. That the big invisible person speaks to you and is controlling everything that happens. Or if you want to speak in the terms of fucking Christianity today, founded by, um, you know, that old guy, what was his name? <laughs> Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Didn't Billy Graham found Christianity today? Probably. Uh, God loves you and has a plan for your life. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that his shtick? I pff, fuck if I know. Dude. I think that was his line. Mm-hmm. You can see also how Driscoll had an opportunity to come in and say something a little more hardcore than that, you right. know, but that there's a plan for your life. And that's on right at the top of God's agenda is hmm. 
<laughs> moving moving Paul up to the top of the list for today. Yeah. Uh, showing you the signs and leading you down a certain path. That type of theism is a problem. Yeah. Like, right. And is nothing is going to change long as, as long as that worldview is operating in someone's head. The acid bath like that you dunk your brain into. I don't know. I like my acid bath. I like my little soundtrack that I carry around with me. You know, it's the Paul Anderson story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Any thoughts about that? No, man. I, I think that's uh, that's all well put. I don't I don't have much to much to add on there. I, I think we'll have to return to that and continue to unpack this notion further that. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate that as well, that. You know, we wouldn't be talking about this if you and I weren't both, like you said, uh, interested in and perpetually uh, enthused by spirituality. Right. You know, and, and earnest spirituality. But, yeah, I think we still are trying to crack this nut of how does this, you know, this recurring theme of of solipsistic self-indulgent self-narrated um spirituality continue to fuck us over right you know it you know personally and politically right um and how does it keep playing out again and again and again in front of us right and to tie it back to art if that's possible um you know, art, I think, I think something we've maybe tapped into a little bit over the, over the last however many episodes of this, this program, um, is that there's maybe some way out of that through art, whether it's in creating it or in, um, looking at it, you know, that, that art, uh, art can disrupt this train of of whatever it is that we've been talking about this entire episode. Yeah. Got to look at some art, guys. Got to look at some art. Just go look at some art. It'll be fine. Um, I think, too, like, doing the hard thing that, the, you know, the Mars Hill podcast isn't willing to do of, like, actually dealing with loss and facing an emptiness, you know, where you thought, you were going to have a path mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, just dealing kind of with the void, dealing with the fact that there's not going to be a secret mm. or an answer What um, <laughs> is like, yeah, that, that abyss that can't be faced there of like, no, there's, there's gotta be the big guys showing me the way um, is what we're advocating for, I think art is a big part of that. For one thing, it's also like, hey, um, diversify your interests here. The Bible is not going to be interesting enough to hold your attention <laughs> for your entire life. It's it's just one book. <laughs> like it's just one book. And as and not that much happens. Yeah. And as we we're talking about, if you if you demystify it, you actually probably can get a lot of out from it, but you also need other things yeah. like you need to pursue other stuff so that you're not. Yeah. I mean, keep yourself alive, you know, 
keep keep yourself engaged with life and hungry for life like for god's sakes don't just like dive deeper and deeper into this hole of the bible or whatever um because you feel like you can't can't look at anything else (laughs) (laughs) but i i actually did think as i was listening through this of like feeling kind of self-conscious of like i want to be clear that as much as we're talking about um, the purposes and power of art, that, you know, there's still no secret. There's no Mm. answer. Like, this isn't a, this isn't going to solve your life on its own. And the ultimate crime, like, of Mark Driscoll is this charlatanism of, I've got a program, you're feeling sad and bored, but if you come read the Bible with me all day, we're going to feel great. And if we get a little bit bored of that, we'll go read the Puritans. Mm-hmm. And, but then that's about it. We'll go back to the Bible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and after that, we'll start doing weird sexual shit. I wish they would, but they probably <laughs> wouldn't. Um, and so the whole problem is not even like you can moralize all you want and call Mark a bad guy, which he is. But the main problem is it doesn't work. Yeah. It's not going to fix you. It's not going to fix you. Magic Camp is not going to fix you either. <laughs> I want to be clear. Love you, be clear. Um, but yeah, I just felt it was important to say that we're we're trying to face the abyss here, um, and using art as as one way of like helping us through that. But it's not the secret. You know what I mean? Totally. Do you, do you see what of I mean? Of course, of course. There is no secret. Um, Secret of life is there's no secret. You heard it here first, folks. The secret of life is that there is no secret. I don't have anything to add. I think this is uh you've you've been um sitting in the pews of the church of Ben. <laughs> Just kidding. No, all the you you put a lot out there and that is all perfectly articulated. Now we have to go back. I have to go back to the school where I teach and, uh, you know, live it out, live it out, bitch. You know, um, one day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, I won't make you talk about school at all, but I think if there's any moral to this story and it's a, probably a bad hangover from, you know, my, evangelical days to try and make a point out of everything but if there is it's you gotta lose you gotta die Mm -hmm. you gotta learn how to die the problem with the fucking podcast that we listen to is that they have not grappled with that they haven't lost they have this shit is not working you can't lose yep in that position exactly these churches the church is (laughs) falling apart (laughs) <laughs> right. Christianity is contracting. Uh, and whenever these leaders rise to prominence or these churches get big, some debacle comes and they end in disgrace. Well, why the hell is that? Because this this system is falling apart. Uh, just the same way the American empire is falling apart, perhaps. Uh, and honestly, it does suck. Like, there's so many things that suck about it. Um and churches are one of the last remaining places where there's an infrastructure to 
say like gather money and give it to people who who need it mm-hmm. but they don't do that anymore like i've never been a part of a church where it's like i'm struggling and i got helped by by a church that doesn't happen anymore they're just places where you go to watch a youtube video mm-hmm. except they are standing on stage if that um and so yeah it's just one of many collapsing american institutions um and so if there's a moral of the story is that's happening is going to keep happening and we have to figure out what comes next not how to fucking uh stop the bleeding like christianity today yeah or to go back in time exactly Mm -hmm. and and pretend that oh we learned our lesson because we know kim you know kim kardashian is bad right um Right. No, I, I'm with you 100%. Trying to figure out what that looks like in the moment. You know, got to lose every day. Got to lose once a day. <laughs> lose once a day. I read, a, I read a book about losing once a day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a mark. That's another piece of evidence that Mark Driscoll was a liar and a psycho. Yeah, just a good so liar. I, I read a book a day. I read a book a day. I read a book Maybe a day. the first guy to say that online. Yeah. I read a book a day. That's ins- that is so stupid to say. Yeah. It's like All that's right. not how days work. <laughs> right. Some days you don't yeah. read. Mark, <laughs> like, what book did you read today? Yeah. Fucking liar. So why 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 did nobody ask him that? Seriously. What book did you read today? Because people are going, oh, people are so wow. insecure. Yeah. I wish I read a book a day. I need to read a book a day. Yeah. Okay, I'll start with a book a month. (laughs) And then I'll feel bad about it that I don't read a book a day. And then when I don't read a book a month, I'll feel even worse. Then I'll come back to Mark and he'll give me a nice little slap and a kiss on the cheek. Yep. I read uh, Dostoevsky's The Idiot every day, which Mm -hmm. is a book about a failure. It's a book about, about me and us and the rest of the human condition. Yeah. Okay, man. Bring us out on some pot on a positive note. <laughs> Can't do it. Sorry, I just uh, told no, you you gotta lose. No, nah, we've got to lose. But hey, losing is the best. It's more fun than winning. Mm-hmm. You still get a juice box if you lose. I've been doing it my whole. life. I've been doing it my whole life. This, you know, take it from us. Couple of losers, couple of dweebs. There's a lot of fun. Yeah. On the other side. The, but for real, um, it's the only way to find something new. Right. There is something on the other side if you can actually let this crisis happen. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to find there find that by clinging to old forms and trying to go backwards and wish your way back in time. Nope. Wish, wish that you were John Knox. I wish that I was wearing a big black robe and... I lived in Geneva and people didn't know anything else but Christianity and uh, it's not going to happen. It'd be cool. Don't cosplay. Um, That's about the most positive thing I can say. I really try. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. We should wrap it up. All right. So our good friend Trevor Welch is going to play us out. Trevor, thanks again for the amazing music. Um. You know, if you want to check out this podcast, check it out. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. 
Subscribe to Christianity Today. <laughs> it's, it helps them a lot. No, subscribe to Magic Camp. Write a review. Give us a star. Give us a like. Tell your friends, but not anyone who's going to snitch on us to your to our bosses or to our friends. To our <laughs> friends. Yeah. Um, that's all I got. We'll get back to art shit eventually. Yep, we're on it. Yeah, we're on it. All right, y'all. That's all. Um, this has been Magic Camp. Just a show about about different things every time. <laughs> we'll catch you next time after school. All right. See you later. See ya.